0: Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ. Season 7, episode number 5. Today, we are actually going to be talking about what is true skill development. What does that look like? What does that entail? What goes into it? I know there's a lot of different ways that you can actually do skill development. There's no one way to do it. There's no... um only way to do it i know that there are several different ways there's more than one way to skin a cat uh but we're going to talk about that a little bit we're gonna, we're going to discuss that because i'm seeing a lot of things you know through social media and on instagram specifically of different things trainers and coaches are doing and i'm not i'm not going to spend this podcast bashing other trainers or their methods or their philosophies but it's it's all about being informed. So as a parent, as a player, or even as a coach if you're trying to find trainers for your for your players, you have to know what you're looking at. And when you understand what you are looking at, then that will help you make the decision on who fits your your athlete, right? Do you need this type of trainer? Do you need this type of training? So we're gonna we're gonna talk about what is true skill development. Um, try to just give some information for you to to process and understand, so you can know what to do moving forward. So before we get into that, real quick, let's talk about how you can follow me on social media and how you can contact me. I am on Twitter at nbnbball. Also, you can follow the SDP podcast on Twitter. Uh, the handle is at SDP underscore podcast. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at NBNBball. Be sure to visit my site, tjonesfirm.com for any consulting on skill development, skill development workshops, or if you need a custom built skill development plan for your team, your organization, your players, whatever it may be, um, I can put something together for you. I've done that for for a number of different teams and high school programs. Uh, You can reach me at info at tjonesfirm.com. Uh, also, be sure to share my podcast with your circle of influence. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. It's available on all your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and others. Also, give me a five star rating. I take four stars, but I prefer to get five. Um, I want the five star rating. It, you know, the more ratings we have, the more you share, more people hear about it. They see it, and they want to uh, tune in. And listen, and speaking of tuning in, if this is your first time listening to the show, I welcome you. I appreciate you taking a little time out of your schedule to listen to me on your ride to work, to home, to whatever it is that you're doing. And if you are a return listener, I truly appreciate you um, continuing to come back week after week or show after show to tune in and hear me talk about skill development or when I do interviews, hear me discuss uh, skill development with other coaches and trainers. So let's get on into this. Season 7, episode number 5, what is true skill development? So when it comes to developing players in any sport, specifically basketball, we we typically only think about skills training, okay? Um, But, you know, and we're talking about skills such as dribbling, shooting, passing footwork, on-ball defense, et cetera, et cetera. But developing a player is much more than that. There's more that goes into it. So in order to fully develop a player, I feel like you have to have there's five areas. You have, of course, your own core skills or your skill development, your um you know you're working on those skills I just mentioned. but you also have mental development, you know, understanding your who you are as a person, your your confidence. Then you have your sports performance athletic training, you know, developing your body. You have nutrition and diet, and then you also have your basketball IQ, your film study. Now, studying film can come in three different forms. You got your game film, you have your practice film, and then you have your skill development film. So sometimes I record players doing different things and we sit there and we'll look at it real quick and then we'll get back to the training session. So there are, there are five areas that I feel like is really, really important. So it takes all those components to fully develop a player. And that's in any sport. I think in any sport, it takes all five of those areas. But specifically in basketball, since that's what we're talking about, that those are the five areas you need. You have to teach them the skills. And that involves the how, why, and when. Uh, you got to coach that mental capacity during the struggle, how to overcome adversity, being confident, you know, uh, having faith in yourself and the belief, to all, the whole nine, everything that comes with the mental part. Because uh, you have to convince them to see the bigger picture and staying confident. So, and in, in what I mean by that is if I'm working with a player, and just like, for perfect example, last night I was working with a young lady on her shooting. And I told her, I'm not concerned about you making it. I don't want you to worry about making it. I want you to focus on shooting the basketball or making the adjustment to your shot that needs to be made. If you can make the adjustment, the makes will come. But if you're if you're only focused on whether or not you're making it right now, and, and I know this is easier said than done, but when a player is only focused on whether the ball is going in, if they're in that learning process, if they're only focused on whether it goes in or not, then they're gonna struggle. They're gonna lose confidence in their ability. That means they're gonna second guess or hesitate in the game, and then that can lead to a, a lower performance. A lower performance, lower production, could also equal it into less playing time. So, what I try to get her to understand is we're gonna focus on your shot, on the technique, on the mechanics. We're not worried about if it goes in or not. I need to see you shoot the ball the correct way, rep after rep after rep after rep. So that's something that we have to get into. Uh, so you gotta help them stay confident. Now, at the same time, there's some athletic development that's needed for today's game. Players are really, really athletic. Um that kind of enhances the skill set, but you gotta be athletic. And teach them how to take care of their body with their eating habits and the nutrition. They can't eat fast food all the time. You know, they got to get their vegetables. They got to get their starches. They got to make sure they don't drink too much sodas and, and all those different things. Make sure they stay hydrated. So making sure that they have good eating habits. And then they have to learn the game from watching game film. So you can have a player, and I do this with players uh, that I train sometimes. They'll send me their game their game clips a game film. i break them down, uh, with, and then we'll come back on a later date and talk about what's going on in those clips, offensively and defensively. So that's important to do, and it takes all five of those areas for the players to really be developed. Now, I can use another quick example of a young lady I've been training for a number of years. Um, we spent a lot of time on the court. I've spent a lot of time focusing on her mental she's now getting athletic development we watch film um and the one area i would say i don't really really stress a whole lot to her is the nutrition side of it but she's got those other four areas and for the most part she takes she does a good job with her eating habits but she got the on court she's got the athletic performance we look at film um I spent a lot of time with her on her mental and and telling her that she's good and she can play and she needs to be confident in her abilities. And now she's starting to believe that. And then we got the nutrition part. All right. So those are the five components that it take to develop a player. Now, what we see today is a lot of trainers and coaches are really focusing on the skills portion of player development. And that's me. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with a player on athletic development. That's not my lane. Um, you know, they have actual uh, coaches that work with players on the mental aspect. I can help you in some in some shape or form, but that's not my area. If a player is really struggling, I hey, you need to go to a sports psychologist or somebody to help you if you're really really struggling in that area. But we can watch film and and do the do the whole nine. But uh, they only want to do the the issue that I have, though, is with some of these coaches, they're only focusing on the sexy combo moves, step back threes and fancy finishes around the rim. Everything they teach is in isolation and it's in a one on one seven setting, which it looks good. I mean, it's entertaining. It gets the culture player likes and follows on social media and all that. But If you're only learning a small portion of player development, you'll never reach your full potential and you'll find yourself struggling uh, more than improving. So um, recently, I think it was last week, Malik Monk of the Los Angeles Lakers, big shout out to Malik, Arkansas zone, was asked about his play in the second half of the game versus the Sacramento Kings. Now, the game was over with uh, he was being interviewed by some reporters and he struggled in the first half. And a reporter asked him, how did he find his rhythm in the second half? And Malik said, and I quote, I stopped shooting crazy off the dribble, stepped back threes and got catching shoots and one dribble pulls. Just better shot selection. Okay, I'm, I'm going to read that one more time because everybody's listening. I want y'all to understand what this professional, NBA player said the question was how did you find your rhythm in the second half and he said Malik Monk himself said I stopped shooting crazy off the dribble step back threes and got catching shoots and one dribble pulls just better shot selection then his head coach Frank Vogel added He was shooting shots he know he can make. And then Coach Vogel went on to say, the more he's producing, his minutes are going up. So let's break this down. Let's look at this real quick. Malik said he stopped shooting crazy, step back off the dribble threes. And if you go on Instagram and you're looking at trainers and coaches, I guess some of them are doing it for entertainment. Uh, Some of them are actually teaching us crazy step back, triple combo, sexy moves. And players are actually thinking these are good shots to shoot in a game. Now, here's my thought on this. I'm not going to say that a player can't have a step back jumper. I'm not going to say a player can't shoot a step back three. I'm not going to say that a player can't learn how to do a triple combo move, okay? But those types of shots, to me, are end of the quarter, end of the half type shots. You know, shot clock winding down, you got the ball, you got to try to get the shot off, you shoot it. But Malik said he quit shooting those crazy shots and he focused more on catch and shoot and one dribble. One dribble pulls. Now here's something that's really important. Malik realized that the ball is going to go through Westbrook, LeBron, and when AD is there, Anthony Davis hands. So he's not going to have the ball and do a whole bunch of off-the-dribble stuff. So he's got to he's got to know his role and play his role. And his role is going to be catch and shoot, attack hard closeouts, get into a one-dribble, two dribble pull-up or get all the way to the rim. Those are very, very important for players to understand. And then when your coach says he was shooting shots he know he can make, any coach will tell you, I would rather for a player to catch and shoot or take a one dribble jumper than for that coach to, uh, for that player to now make a, crazy, triple combo, step back three. Make that move and and shoot that. So they would much rather be simple, one dribble pull up, catch and shoot versus some crazy step back three. And then the coach wanted to say, the more he's producing, his minutes are going up. So players, you have to understand you got to produce. It's not about looking sexy. It's not about looking good. It's not about the highlight. It's about can you produce? If you can produce You can get more minutes. If you are not producing, you're not going to get your minutes. What can you do to get in the game? Then it's what can you do to stay in the game? Are you dependable? Can you be counted on? Those are the things that's really important. Not so much the sexy triple combo moves. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret, players. Those NBA players that you see, they ain't working on that. They're not doing all these crazy triple combo moves. A lot of times if you see a player that do something like that, that's instinctive. They're not ripping those moves out. Okay. So as a trainer or as a coach, you have to ask yourself, what can I do to help this player improve their skills and help them get in the game? What skills do they need to produce and increase the opportunity of playing time or increase their playing time. Because if a player is producing, the coach will find a way to play them. So is drilling the triple combo step back three going to help a player get in the game? How often will a player shoot that shot versus a one or two dribble pull up? Do players need a bag of moves? I mean, I believe players do need a go-to move or end of the shot clock quarter, end of the half, or the end of the game move that they can go to. I, I get that, right? So if your move is a in and out double cross, boom, you know, one, two, and then you make the read and get to the rim or you shoot the pull up. I, I'm good with that. I, I think every player needs some type of go-to move, whether it's, you know, really simple or it's a little more complex, whatever, but they need some. They need something. But some of these things are being taught players, we we'll use once every every blue moon you know so we got to we got to evaluate that everything should be done to improve the player's skill for competition it has to be to improve the player's skill for competition if you can't apply what you are learning or if the coach trainer can't apply what they are teaching to the game then what what are we doing what are you doing if you can't take if you're a coach or trainer you can't take what you're doing and what you have these kids working on, and you can't apply that to the game. And how? And, and this is what I mean by apply it to the game. Someone can say, oh, man, you know, he's teaching them a one-on-one move. That could be done. But, but can it be done on his team? Can that player take that move and apply it to his role on his team and be able to pull it off? That's what I'm talking about. It has nothing to do with playground stuff. Can they apply it uh, to the game? So, really, what you're doing is wasting time and money. And I get again, I get it. I know as a trainer, or if you have a skill development business or a company, you have to continue to get clients. And those isolated on air with no defense drills look good, and probably get more clients, but Are you are we really trying to improve players and move the game forward? Are we just trying to get our likes and follows up so we can have more views, likes and try to try to get an endorsement deal? Right. That's the question. Um, Now, I I say this basketball coach, uh, Chris Oliver, talks about perceptual skills in basketball. So what is perceptual skills? Well, visual perception Visual perceptual skills are the brain's ability to make sense of what the eyes see. This is huge in basketball. I've been coaching my daughter's um, little travel basketball team. They are a competitive... They are a competitive... Community team, I guess you can say. That's what the other coach calls them a community team because we don't have players from all over the state. We don't have players from neighboring states. And we don't have players from all, they're, they're all within like 15, 20 mile radius of each other. So, or 20 to 30 minute mile radius of each other. So, we're all, we're like a community team. And one thing that I've noticed with players that age, and they're 11, 10, they're 10 eleven year olds, okay 10, eleven, and twelve. So one thing that I've noticed that players are struggling with making sense of what they see and I, and I see this all the time, and I tell players and I, and I tell players all the time, you have to be able to see the game, not just looking but see it and understand it and be able to make sense of it. Understanding where's the help defense. Understanding where's my teammates. Understanding who's being guarded. Understanding who's open. Right? These simple things that we as an adult can see and understand, but we have we struggle with explaining it to the youth players. Or we just don't explain. We just figure that they should know it. But they don't know it. Right? Um, I was in a class the other day. A training class I had. And this girl. Two teammates. One girl tried to make a pass across court. And the defender was standing right in front of her. And I said. Did you not see the defense? (laughs) And she was like, yeah. I said. So I looked at the girl like, is your name Casper? I say, because apparently she thought she'd throw right through you because you standing right in front. of. I mean, like the defense was standing in front of her like she was on offense. That's how I covered up the, the other her teammate, the offensive player's teammate was standing behind her. And they're out on the perimeter, not in the post, They're out on the perimeter. And she threw it right to her. So that's what I mean by being able to make sense of what the eyes see. So as a basketball player, the better you understand what you are seeing, the better you apply any skills you have. You have to understand what you see. So a player driving a player driving to the basket, defense rotates over. I see it happening or developing. Now I can apply the necessary skills needed in this situation. And there will only be there will not just be one solution. There could be several. You got your passing solutions. I'm driving, defense rotates over. I got different passing options. Um, I have my dribbling options. Do I make a move, get around that defender? Do I back up? Do I change direction? Like, what do I need to do? Then I have my different finishing options, right? How do I need to finish? I need to pull up and shoot it. Do I need to step around the defender? Do I need to finish with my right hand, my left hand, off two feet, off one foot, so we, we have to know all these things and give all these players the options and the tools to go on their tool belt. It's not just one solution. I see so many players all the time that, always, that when, they, when they attack, it's always a Eurostep. You don't need to do a Eurostep every single time. There's a certain time in and in a place for a Eurostep. But, but going back to this, this perceptional skills, The brain's ability to make sense of what the eyes see. Are you teaching that to your players? Are you teaching as a coach, as a trainer? Are you teaching players to understand what they're seeing? So if I'm a parent or I'm a player and I'm thinking about working out with someone and and if I'm a parent, I'm going to go and watch or I'm going to ask people who've worked out with them and I'm going to ask them questions about what they're doing in their training sessions what they teaching, what drills they doing, the whole nine. And I want to know, are you teaching? And this is just one of the many things that's important, but are you teaching the players the ability t- to make sense of what their eyes see? And this is so important. Like, did you not see that other defender right there? Did you not see your teammate? Those are some things that's important. And that's why I say these are some components of true skill development. So it's important for us, for the player to understand the situation and be able to handle that situation. So that's why, you know, isolated training against air can be too much. I'm not going to say just, just isolated training, but too much isolated training against air can be detrimental to a player's development because the player has to understand the situation and know how to handle that situation. All right. Now, there is a place for isolated one-on-one training. I do them all the time. But doing that, there has to be some type of decision-making or perceptual development for the player. On-air drills are good for reps or refining technique. On air drills are good for reps and refining technique, but there has to be some type of perceptual training and decision making for the players. All right. And you have to get creative as a trainer if I am working in a one on one setting with a player. So let's quickly discuss three important factors in real skill development. And uh, we're just about done. So three important factors in real skill development. In real skill development. Number one, decision making. Drilling decision making increases a player's basketball IQ and their overall knowledge of the game. Now, this could be difficult to do in the isolated one-on-one training. But you can do a read, react type decision making to improve your player. So this could be something as simple as read my hands. You know, hands down, you shoot, hands up, you drive. Um, I could raise a hand and the player has to go opposite direction on the drive. If I show my hands, the player has to pass it. If I don't, they shoot it. Um, Now, this isn't a deep dive into decision making, but it gets the players to understand some things on like an entry level per se. Right? So I'm getting them to see... Perceptionally, I'm getting them to understand what they're seeing, but then they're also making a, a decision, right? Um, and and you can look at that and say, well, you're really not making a decision because there's no other defenders or no other players involved. It's more of oh, the hands is up, I shoot it. Hands down, I you know, or hands down, I shoot it. Hands up, I drive. So it's more of a of a react, and and that's true. But there's still some type of – I'm getting them to, to train their eyes to see what's going on because there's going to come a point when we're you're in a two-on-two or a three-on-three or there's a live defender and they're going to know what they need to do. They're going to have to make that decision. So it's that's why I say it's an entry level. But it's not the block training of we're just going to shoot every time we catch it, or we're just going to dribble to the basket and shoot a layup every time, or we're just going to pass it every time. So it makes them have to really be engaged and read and see and really understand what they're seeing. All right. Um, another important factor in skill development, in real skill development, defense. I'm gonna just be honest. There's nothing better than a live defender. Nothing better than a live defender. Um, you can do this in stages, depending on the player's experience and skill level. So you can use uh, a dummy defender, and they typically just stay with the offensive player to make them feel that presence. Okay. If you got a very inexperienced player and they're doing it against uh, doing it on air and they're doing it pretty good, then you want to add a add a defender. And th- if it's a one on one session, it could be the coach, as a defender. And I just want you to feel my presence. So instead of you just standing there one spot shooting, I'm going to throw it to you and I'm going to run by you. Or I may even throw my hands up, but I want you to shoot the same shot. So they get used to having that defender run at them. Uh, you see, Again, you see that a lot in, in shooting drills. A, te- a teammate will pass it to their partner and then close out and try not to block the shot. But just like I said, you're just, you just running at them so they can feel their presence. Um, then you can have a control defender that gives the offense a couple of reads. This also could be done in a shooting drill. So player one could pass to player two. If player one closes out hard, then player two drives. If player one closes out slow, then player two will shoot. Okay, real simple, but I'm, it's it's a live defense, but the offense has got to make the read. Pass, close out. And this is what I tell players. When players try to guess what the defense is going to do, they hesitate. Or they make a not so great decision. Not going to say it's the wrong decision, but they don't make the best decision. So what I tell them in a shooting drill like that, when the player passes you the ball, always think shot. Don't try to read to see what they're going to do. Catch it to shoot then if they're too close to you when you catch it now we look to drive because if they catch it and they try to wait to see if the defense is going to get there then they're probably going to they're probably going to end up not making the best decision and I, and I'm hesitating to say that because I try not to say the wrong decision okay because we've seen it plenty of times where someone have was well said, "Man, you should have shot it." You know, but they go to the basket and they make a tough shot. Right. So was it really the bad decision? No, it wasn't a bad decision. It worked out for him, but it just wasn't the most efficient decision. So and that's what we want efficiency. And then the last we have just a live defender they are playing live defense to keep the offense from scoring. This this could be done with or without an advantage for the offense. So you can have an advantage for the offense where the defense is in front of the offense, uh, but the defense got their back to the offense. Offense is standing behind the defender with the ball on their back and the offense just goes, and they have an advantage because the defense doesn't know which direction they're going, and they can't see the offense. But then again, it could be uh, where it's even. The offense and the defense start in the corner. They both sprint to the wing. You throw it to the wing, and now the offense got to make a quick move off the catch, and they play one-on-one. So it's different. It depends on how you want to do it. All right, and then the last thing is game like situations. There are some trainers that don't believe totally in putting players in, in true in skill development in game like situations. Um, but we put players in situations that they are seeing the game. Okay, uh, this would include live defenders and, of course, decision making. This could be pick and roll, down screens, transition, post up, dribble handoffs, one on one, two on two, three on three, et cetera. And I get what, what some coaches say about, uh, well, we're not just going to drill, you know, pick and roll over and over again. But here's how I look at it. So when you're working with professional players or even middle school or junior high players, if you're not going to get... So here's here's why I think you you, you see now a lot of coaches talking about small-sided games and putting players in game situations. I think part of that is because players are not going to the gym or to the parks to play pickup basketball. I see more and more trainers and coaches renting gyms, opening up the gym, and and inviting kids to open runs. And that's kind of crazy. (laughs) But, Kids nowadays have to have something formal for them to want to go to the gym and play. It's not just, you know, when we was in high school during the summer, you know, we would just call up a bunch of guys and be like, hey, let's go to the McGee Center or the Rec Center and play basketball. And we go there and play for a couple of hours. We didn't have any parents. We would just hoop. We shoot for captains, we pick our teams. If you didn't get picked, you sat on the sideline, wait your turn. And then if it was your ups, the losing team, if it was you and one other person on the sideline, while the teams were playing, you two guys were talking about who are the other three teammates that we want. Okay, if this team lose, we're gonna pick we're gonna pick them three. But if the other team, other team lose, we're gonna pick them three. And then we just played like that. So, my point in saying that is, I feel like you have to put the kids in game situations. If you have players and you teach them about coming off a pick and roll or coming off a dribble handoff or a down screen or a pin down or a wide pin down, any of that, a lot of these kids are not going to take what you taught them and then say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to the McGee Center tomorrow, man, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on coming off a screen. And I'm going to tell you, um, you know, I'm 42. When I did play basketball, before I ruptured my Achilles, when I did play basketball, it wasn't a whole lot of down screen set. Now, when I was younger and I was in middle school, junior high, high school, yeah, we set screens. They set screens. I would play with older older men, and we would set screens. Not a whole lot of on-ball screens, but somebody would dribble down. Somebody would set a down screen for somebody to, to come off for a catch-and-shoot jumper. And that person came off the screen and called it. The person that set the screen would roll to the bucket. We'd be looking for them. If they didn't get it, they'd post up, boom, pass it to them, and that person would cut. So that's how I learned to play playing in, in those type of situations. So if me and my dad would go to the gym and we work on me coming off screens catching and shooting. We work on me passing into the post and cutting. We work on me driving and passing it and then exiting out quickly for a catch and shoot. But when I went to the gym to play pickup ball with the men that I would play with, we would then drill those situations. I was in a game situation, but it was pickup ball. Because that pickup ball that we played simulated actual game situations. So if I got the ball and was bringing the ball up to court and somebody was guarding me full court because I was a young kid playing with grown men, I had to be able to change speeds and change directions. When I did my training with my dad, he wasn't guarding me, but he would tell me, you got to you got to keep it low. You got to do this, you got to do that. And we would do it on air, but I would get my game situation two or three times a week from playing pickup ball with older men. They knew how to play, that had played college, played high school, played professional, and then when the game was over with, they would tell me about certain situations. So I was getting skill development in pickup ball. And so I think that's why now today so many coaches do that because kids are not going to the gym, they're not playing pickup ball, and they're not just going out there and saying, hey, come set a screen for me, right? Hey, come set this pick and let's get in this pick and roll. Hey, go, go set a down screen for, for Marcus. And then Marcus have to come off the screen and read it. But then the person setting the screen has got to read the defense and know if they need to slip it or not. Or setting down, we got ghost screens. So they're going up like they're setting the screen, and then they're slipping it real, which is basically a slip. Like, and now they're going to the basket. So, you know, all these different things is happening. It's really, that's why I think it's important that we have to put these players in game situations. So you got to teach it to them, and then you got to give them a chance to run it against, a uh you know, in a live situation, game-like. And the game-like You know, it's just, hey, we're going to do three on three. Um, Every time down, you got to do some type of pick and roll. Okay. Get into the pick and roll, make your read. And I think that helps players for when they're in the game. Okay. All right. I know I went on a little rant right there, but um, again, three important factors in skill development and real skill development, decision-making, defense, game-like situation. So now there are some other factors to consider when doing skills training portions of skill development. You have to think about individual training versus group training, which is better for that particular player. Um, What's a good ratio of individual versus group training? Trainers also have to consider the individual player, the player's strengths and weaknesses, role they play on their team, team style of play, the position they play, their potential, the physical components such as physical strength, agility, coordination, hand size, All of that stuff plays a part in skill development. Last thing to to consider, the trainer, coach, parent, or whoever's conducting the training session, you have to know what are you teaching? You have to know what you are teaching. Are you teaching, and this is what I mean, are you teaching 1v1 or individual skills? Are you teaching two-man actions, three-man actions? This is important because... If you spend too much time on one-on-one individual skills and not how to apply those skills in a team setting, you are setting that player up for failure. You are really going to make that player struggle in a team setting and when they play in a system. They'd be great at YMCA or the playground. So you have to be able to apply those one-on-one skills to a team setting. The two- and three-man actions are as good as you run them, Right? So if you don't have a a defense, then you are teaching more technique and getting reps than applying a game like action. So if you got three players and you got a passer, a screener and a shooter and the screener is going to set the screen, they come off, they pass it to the shooter, the shooter shoots it. The other player rolls, you throw him a ball, they shoot the layup and then you throw a third ball to the passer, they shoot a spot up three. Those are reps and techniques. There's no read. There's no... Uh, understanding how to be physical to come off the screen. You you may not pay attention to how high you're coming off the screen or how low you're coming off the screen or having to set up a defender. So you just get in a routine where you're just running off the screen, catch a shoot, running off the screen, catch a shoot, and you put it on autopilot and you're not totally engaged because you can do it without thinking, right? And there are certain things we want to be able to do without thinking, understanding, oh, I'm coming off the screen, the defender is trailing, I'm going to hard curl to the basket. I get that, or I try to come over the screen. The defender goes under. I'm gonna flare, or I'm gonna fade. The screen is gonna reposition and set another screen. I'm gonna catch and shoot, or catch and drop. I get that, right? You want that to be automatic, but again, I can be doing two man action, and this is just gonna be. Hey, I'm just catching and shooting, spotting up. So you need to add some type of defense. To give the, the to give that shooter some type of read, okay, or you can work on the screener, screener running to a spot. They got a defender. Now they're gonna read the person that that, that is uh, guarding them. Okay. All right. Uh. So before I let you go, there's more. I know that there's more than one way to to uh, conduct skill developments but as a trainer coach or a player you have to know what you're doing or looking at if you're a parent what are you trying to accomplish what's your goal and is what i'm doing going to help me reach my goal so you know when you're going to work with someone you have to look at and be like okay this is what I'm going to get with this trainer. Is this trainer a coach or this type of training, is it going to help my athlete, my son, my child, my daughter be able to reach their goals? If it's not going to help them reach their goal, then I don't think you should work with that particular player. Now, I talked about some things that are real skill development that I feel like are, is true, and real skill development. I'm not for everybody. I get that. Some people don't want individual instruction. They don't want to be taught. They just want to work out. So there are other individuals that would just work them out. Put them in a group, run them through some drills, teach them a little bit of one-on-one, and then send them home. And I'm not and I'm not bashing that. There's a there's a place for everything. But the player or the coach that you have to work with your with your child has got to help you reach whatever goal you're trying to reach. And I'm not talking about, oh, I want them to be a division one athlete. or I want them to be a collegiate athlete. I'm talking about your goals in 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 the way, in a sense of what skills you want them to have and to possess and how to help them become a better player. That is what I feel like is important. So, um, you know, and and we could get into equipment. We could talk. I could have talked about that. You know, the equipment that you use and, you know, what would help and what wouldn't help. I'm not getting to all that. But I just felt like today we need to talk about what is real skill development. What is true skill development? What does it look like? What does it entail and give you some things to consider? So next time that you get ready to go to a training session or you get ready to hire somebody to train your kids, you have an idea of what you are looking at and and what to look for. That's really important. So that is it for today's show. Again, be sure to follow me on social media at Twitter at nbnbball. You can also follow the the podcast at sdp underscore podcast. I'm also on Instagram. At NBN, Bball, visit my website, tjonesfirm.com, for consulting on skill development, skill development workshops, and if you need a custom-built skill development plan for your team, your program, players, your organization, hit me up at info at tjonesfirm.com. Also, be sure to share my podcast with your circle of influence. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. It's available on all your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and others. Also, be sure to give me a five-star rating. I thank y'all. I appreciate y'all. Until next time, God bless.